Everybody, this is Sam Oser, your unconventional journalist, reporting on the movements that fight back Saturdays at 1:30 here on All Real Radio. Thanks, everybody, who's tuning in live today. Um, if uh, you're not able to listen in, don't worry. I will be replaying this audio on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Rocket Casts, wherever you get your podcasts. So today we are doing some election prep and we're going to be talking about Prop A for Houston. Elections are coming up. Time is moving fast, but the weather's not getting any colder for some godforsaken reason. So today we have uh, Greg and Leslie with us. They are with Houston DSA and they are going to be talking with us about prop a and um what it is how to get involved so thank you so much for joining me how are you guys doing doing good happy to be here yeah (laughs) yeah thanks for having us awesome uh so let's just get straight into it um so houston dsa is working on uh bringing awareness to prop a so what is what is Prop A? Whichever one. You want to start, Leslie? Or? Go for it. Uh, sure, I'll take a swing on it. So uh, Prop A is um, a proposition to amend Houston's city charter uh, so that any three city council members will be able to place an item on the weekly city hall agenda. Uh, and currently, the mayor is the only person that can do this, um, the only person that can add items to the city council agenda. Um, so we are trying to make city council a little bit more democratic. You know, it's weird. So this is called a strong mayor system, right? And in this form, only the mayor can put, like you said, agenda items on city council for like their weekly meetings. Um So where I find that problematic is the fact that Houston is huge. (laughs) It's big. Um, How are you going to tell me that the mayor is like keen on what is happening from district to district? Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, So how, like for you guys, like what made you guys interested in organizing around this policy around Pape? So there's there's kind of two two angles to Prop A and, and two reasons that we're involved in it. There's the kind of the, the short-term, the immediate payoff. I mean, if you look at things that have been stopped kind of recently by the mayor, things that there was an interest from city council in debating and, and passing motions on stuff, which, by the way, that, that's why the agenda is so important. I mean, if something's not on the agenda, 
you, you can't just like be talking about infrastructure spending and say, oh, I want to talk about employee sick leave or whatever, right? Like mm. if it's not on the agenda, you can't talk about it. You can't pass motions on it. City council is, is, is muzzled, right? Right. Um, so the immediate payoff is you look at things like uh, firefighter collective bargaining. The mayor not respecting the requirement to bargain in good faith with the firefighters union. That was what actually kicked this off. Um, you look at uh, Letitia Plumer, Plumer wanted to introduce some uh, additional fines on landlords for, you know, treating their tenants poorly or n- not having their uh, their buildings up to code. That was they couldn't even be talked about. That's it. The mayor just said no. I don't want to talk about it. Ugh. So that's the immediate and the longer term. You look at the mayor is really far removed from the people, right? Like it takes over, you know, last time uh, Mayor Turner got 111,000 votes to get elected last time, right? The left, DSA, socialist, we don't have the power to bring that number of people out. But if you look at some of these uh, council districts, we're talking 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 votes. Suddenly the city government isn't so insulated. It's not so far away from the people, right? So that's kind of the short angle and the, the long angle in my view. Yeah. You know, both of these points where you're talking about like the firemen, the um, the landlords, you know, uh, it goes back for me for uh, corporate campaign finance reports. Um, Of course, you know, he is the mayor gets a lot of money from the Houston Police Union in his campaign finance. Um, And then as far as landlords go, he also gets a lot of money from developers. Mm -hmm. I did a Houston corporate tentacle map back in like 2016, 2017, outlining all these corporate entities. Um, And (laughs) you can really see that reflected in like Letitia Plummer, like you were saying, you know, she wanted to introduce this to the agenda and just got shut down. Yeah, just no. Just no. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And there's no appeal. There's no way. There is technically a way to do a special meeting, but it's only been done three times in like the last 40 years. So, it, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you guys have been canvassing, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you're going from like door to door talking to people about this, what are some responses that you're hearing from people? Um, I would say the responses are positive overwhelmingly positive um for the most part people that hear us out um a lot of people the thing is a lot of people just aren't aware that this is how our city council works um and this is not the the norm houston is unusual in this way that we have a city council that works this way um and so a lot of people don't know this is how it works they've never thought about it or they just assumed that was the way it was already working um so when we explain to them how this is that your city council member can't just put something on the agenda if they want to um a lot of people are you know rightfully surprised by that and feel like that should be changed so um so that's another thing is really just um informing people i mean people should be aware that this is how our city council works and that um you know we we go through we elect these city council members thinking that they're able to bring our interests uh to the city council meetings but the city council is really kind of toothless at this point um and really just beholden to the mayor yeah yeah well how has your experience been canvassing yeah uh so this this is a very easy pitch Mm-hmm. This is something that once, I mean, assuming somebody hears you out, right, because you're a stranger with a clipboard or whatever, but um, anybody who understands what this is generally supports it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only pushback we've heard is k- kind of a, I don't know, short-sighted Democratic Party argument where they would say, oh, well, the mayor's a Democrat, so I want the mayor to have more control. 
But it's like, okay, yeah, the mayor's a Democrat, but... Right now. Well, for now, for now, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's the worst kind of Democrat, just as the system is built. It's sort of, by defi- almost by necessity, a, a very corporate Democrat, right? Because you think of the amount of money, you think of the amount of influence you have to have to be a mayor, right? You think of how far away that is from the people. And it, it sort of negates the whole purpose of city council, right? Which is to have somebody that's a little bit closer to the people, right? So... I would say this this thing is a pleasure to canvas for, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, we keep uh, talking about, um, you know, how far away the mayor is removed from the people. And it cracks me up because the city council hall, it has like the people are the city. You know, that, that and every time I've walked in and seen that, I just wanted to like vomit just like on the podium <laughs> because like it's just. That's just not the reality, mm-hmm. especially when you look at these campaign finance reports. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of similar to something that Greg was saying, like the really, if you want something to be heard by city council as it is right now, uh, I mean, really the only way you can do that is if you have the fundraising money to donate to the mayor or if you have access to the mayor. If you don't have that access to the mayor, uh, you know, it's not going SOL. to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to get access with the mayor. Mm -hmm. Like, unless you are a business person with a lot of money, like the mayor is not going to really hear you out. (laughs) Um, So um, what are some like so the landlord thing about, you know, putting it to the city council agenda. Whenever you're talking to people canvassing, was there anything that came up where it was like, Oh, okay, well, that's good to know because I would like to put this on the city council agenda. Is there anything like that that has come up? Mm, not, okay not, not specifically. Um, the, the the pitch that we're really emphasizing with this, and I think the pitch that's that's really resonating with people is is sort of a the good government angle, right? The average person on the street, you know, people generally like checks and balances, right? People generally dislike kind of authoritarian ideas, you know. In, in so much as they can get rid of the, the propaganda that's shoved into all of our heads, right? But um, so really, I mean, I, I don't know if maybe Leslie has something to add to this, but, but for me, I've, I've never really had to go too far past the, the good government angle with, with most people. Yeah, I, I can't remember anyone having like a specific thing that they have um, necessarily wanted to bring up but um some i think sometimes people will mention like oh yeah our, our streets that's one thing is like the streets in okay Houston. yeah um they're like yeah the the streets in our neighborhood are terrible um you know i can't get anyone to listen to me and i'm like well yeah that's your city council member that should be you know that should be the person you could talk to about that yeah but yeah no that makes that makes a lot of sense so um coming to like the organizational part of the this thing uh so this is a political campaign basically to get prop a voted on what does that mean like (laughs) to a normal person who's not involved in the political realm at all what does a political campaign mean what does it look like because usually when people hear political campaign they immediately think like a candidate running for election they're not necessarily thinking policy or pops or anything like that so how does that translate to what you guys are doing so it it, functionally it it does kind of work a lot like a candidate would so this if we rewind a little bit this whole thing started this this sprang out of um ongoing disputes between the the firemen's union 
um, and our firefighters union and the office of the mayor. So okay. Sylvester Turner, Anise Parker, Lee Brown, all the mayors going back into the sands of time have kind of butt heads with, with the firemen's union, right? And um, the central, a central tactic that the city has used is to generally refuse to bargain in good faith, right? Which, which is illegal, but you know, whatever. Um, so what started all this is the firefighters union actually authored what eventually became Prop A, right? Okay. And to put a ballot initiative According to the city charter, to put a ballot initiative on the uh, on the ballot, you need to collect twenty thousand signatures from residents of the city of Houston. Right, so that's what happened. Uh, Houston DSA was part of the coalition. It was the firemen's union. It was um, several different groups, mostly from the left, that went out and got the twenty thousand signatures. They were verified, and then Proposition A was born. Right? All right. Um, and yeah, there's going to be a yes/no vote on on this one. Um, the campaigning. I mean, it's it's essentially almost like you were with the candidates telling people what is prop a why should you care about it okay remember to go vote for it right so in this case it's it's kind of a neat parallel to what people probably think of when they think of a political campaign yeah and Anything just a little side note there mm-hmm. the signatures were actually collected back in 2020 okay um, but it did not get put on the ballot in 2021 because the mayor didn't want that so <laughs> just another example of how the mayor um, so he just like he straight up blocked it from it being on the ballot, like mm-hmm. yeah, I. Uh, Who's going to do anything about it? Yeah, city council. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone can talk more about the specifics of exactly the reason he gave. But basically, yeah, he because he um, he's going to have to step down this year anyway because of term limits. Right. So he was he basically just pushed it off until he knew he was already going to be you know, out of office anyway. Uh, yeah. So that's why we're voting on it this year instead of two years ago. Just a little side note Dang, there. What a yeah. petty little person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you want to, so his, so mayor Turner's excuse for not having an election after, I mean, so the charter was followed. The 20,000 signatures were gotten. They were submitted on time. All the paperwork was, was, was perfect. Right. He said, Oh no, no, it, it would be, it would be too expensive to have that election. We can't have that. I can't justify spending this money to have this election yeah just for that's it it was done so this is the same guy who has repeatedly called him called himself the ceo of the city (laughs) uh so that makes a lot of sense um and then you know having this strong mayoral system where it lacks this you know check on authority really feeds that ego Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i have a huge problem with anybody calling themselves a ceo of a city or ceo of a public government elected thing Uh, even during the mayoral forum that link houston put on um some of the candidates were were like yeah i'm a great businessman you know i can run the city budget like a business and i hate when people conflate government with business because we are not supposed to be a corporation uh, but we are run like one because corporations run our lives but anyway that's one way or another that's me going into all that but that's um okay all right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, the, the CEO thing, it, it makes me think of the, the, the quote and the sort of sound bite you hear passed around, like, like at the federal level, the, the, the post office. So the post office loses X dollars per year. You guys see that every time that comes mm-hmm. up? It's just yeah. this, this kind of poisonous thinking where like just this, I don't know, call it propaganda, whatever, is, is just shoved down everyone's throat just from like cradle to grave. It, it's, it's amazing, really. Yeah, like corporations would do a better job at handling your money than 
a city government. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and forget that they like bring us our mail. <laughs> right. Like, d- yeah. Just because something doesn't like generate a, you know, economic profit, it's still creating like a social good. But I guess that's a that's a different tangent. We could spend a long time going down. Yeah, I'm, that go- is, I'm going off. Yeah. That is that is for sure a different tangent. Mm-hmm. But I think that circles back to like this strong mayoral system too. Is like you know, with him thinking that he's CEO or like any strong mayor in this system, you know, they will be prioritizing profit for the city mm-hmm. over other things. Yep. Um, so I guess that makes sense in its own way. Ugh. Okay, well, let's take a short music break, and then when we get back into it, we'll discuss more on the organizing things and how you guys decided to get involved in this work. Yeah, something that can make you do wrong, make you do right. Yeah.
us on all of your social media outlets at All Real Radio. We make the world better. Make the world better. Hello, everybody. We are back. If you are just tuning in, this is Sam Osir, your unconventional journalist, reporting Saturdays at 1.30 on the movements that fight back. Today, we have Greg and Leslie with us with Houston DSA, and we are discussing Prop A, um, Prop A knowledge and prep ahead of the election. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, if you missed the first part of this uh, interview, it will be posted on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Rocket Cast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just look up Unconventional Journalist. Um, for the second part, so Prop A will bring more transparency into the city council and the city council meetings in forever. <laughs> Could you explain like how it would bring some more transparency? Uh, yeah, so so what happens, like as it is currently, essentially what the mayor has is like a preemptive veto on anything that gets introduced to city council. So a lot of the things that our city council members are trying to introduce, they never even see the light of day, they never get debated, anything, you know, so we might not even know about them. Right, so the people won't even know that the city council member introduced it. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So, um... So say if um, if these things did get brought to the meetings, they got discussed and voted on, um, even if you would at least get to see how your city council member felt about this. Even So even if they're voting in a way you don't like, they're on record for that now. So all these city council members, they if these things are getting brought to the floor, everyone has to be on record saying that they, you know, voted yes or no on this. Um and and when city council members are much more accountable to um, each of their constituents than the mayor is, um, they're thinking a lot more about that because if a person calling into their city council member's office versus calling into their mayor's office has a lot more weight. Yeah. So if your city council member, they are on record voting a certain way and you don't like it, you can call in and they're a lot more likely to listen to you, whereas the mayor is he's a lot more likely to, you know, not probably. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I think that's one way that it would be a lot more transparent and fair. Yeah. During music break, we were talking about, um, like the freedom city councils would have, <laughs> city council members would have if this is passed. Could you speak more on that, Greg? Yeah. So the, the existing system, so city council members are, are controlled in what they can talk about, what they can vote on during the meetings, Right. But it creates kind of a, a larger dynamic if we think about the ongoing relationship between city council and the mayor, right? So if you put yourself in the mind of a city council member, they know that they have to stay on the mayor's good side, right? Because if you do something the mayor doesn't like, the mayor doesn't like you, the mayor, you know, you said something about the mayor that was bad, your stuff is a lot less likely to make the agenda, the stuff that, that you want to do for your community, right? So it creates this this kind of insidious dynamic you could call it where even outside of the meetings the members of city council have to always be thinking that okay i need to make keep the mayor happy i I can't say this i can't say that so they can't even express necessarily their their true views or the views of their constituents on on anything in a in a 
anything approaching an unfiltered manner, right? That's so authoritarian. Yeah, yeah and and like if I can just add, they uh, so like when they're writing this legislation, if you think about it, like they're catering this to the mayor because they know that ultimately he's the one that's gonna have the final say on whether it gets heard. So they're sort of like catering this all the time towards like him uh, or whoever the mayor might be. Um, so it might end up getting watered down or parts of it might end up getting cut just because of this one person. And, um, and we were talking before about kind of how one of the critiques of Prop A is, well, what if I like the mayor or, um, you know, the mayor's a Democrat or whatever, but, um, he's not, even if you like him, he's not going to be the mayor forever is one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't know who might be mayor next. And also, um sometimes people flip-flop like mayor turner before he came into office he was perceived as more of a progressive than he (laughs) has proven to be um so sometimes we elect people because they say certain things and then they don't and then they turn out to be that person Mm -hmm. um and so really the bottom line is it's just undemocratic it's undemocratic for one person to have uh this much power in our city government there need to be some checks on that person um and uh yeah that's we have this whole city council that's supposed to be representing us but they're really just catering to this one person that everything's having to go through yeah fun quote from the uh, houston chronicle editorial board who did endorse prop a by the way they say um describing the current system city council is reduced to an appendage of city hall Mm. So that's that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. All right. Well, there we have it, folks. Um, that's the <laughs> election prep for Prop A. So when you're going into election stuff, when it opens, when does it open? When's election? Uh, so early voting is uh, October 23rd. It starts. And uh, you can go to HarrisVotes.org to find your, your polling place. And then general election is November 7th. Yeah. And remember, guys, so what we're discussing right now, it's for Houston residents. I think even if you're not a Houston resident, I think this is still a good case study, if you would, um, if you aren't a Houston resident, because I think it's a great example about how we pretend we're in a democracy, but then we have this strong mayor system that prioritizes the mayor and doesn't allow city council to put stuff into an agenda. Um, if we lived in a true democracy, <laughs> that wouldn't even be a thing, right? Am I crazy? You would think so. <laughs> yeah. and, and this is a relatively new power of the Houston mayor. The Houston mayor didn't have this agenda, supremacy or, or sole power and, until the 50s. This came out of a slap fight between Roy Hoffines, who was the mayor of Houston, and the city council at the time in the 50s. So interesting th- yeah. around segregation time too. Yeah, what a coincidence, right? Ah. So yeah, so so Hoff finds the the mayor essentially. Obviously, he couldn't literally make an amendment, but definitely sponsored and kind of got going a, a city charter amendment that actually introduced this version of strong mayor. So a little yeah. fun history there. Well, that goes back to I'm hearing the talking point that I'm hearing is this right wing talking point of like small government. <laughs> You know, that's what that's what that's bringing me back to. Yeah. yeah, like our small government we tried to practice in Harris County, but 
gets overruled by the state government. Yeah, right? (laughs) Interesting. All right. So everybody has a place in the movement. Something I say all the time. It's something I heard uh, from an Austin organizer when I first got involved in my organizing. Um, Shout out to Julie. And so how did you guys get involved in the organizing that you do now? Whoever wants to go first. Uh, sure. So I, um, I've always been sort of like following politics, but I guess when I really got involved in, um, this movement, um, sort of like the leftist movement was around like Bernie time. Like a lot of people, um, like after Bernie ran was when I started getting involved, um, became aware of DSA and then started getting more involved with it. Um, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's sort of just, just noticing a lot of things, um, you know, once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. Um, (laughs) and so, um, became more and more involved in this kind of stuff. Is this your first like volunteer campaign or how have you volunteered before? Um, no so just mostly different stuff through dsa i would say there's some different candidates that we've supported um Mm -hmm. that i've been involved a little bit on on those campaigns um and then of course like three years ago when we were collecting signatures for this i did Mm -hmm. a little bit of that um and um so yeah and then and not all electoral stuff you know also just like different like political education efforts and stuff like that that we've done through dsa yeah how about you yeah so my uh my path to socialism it, it, it's not very exciting um so i grew up you know i'm a kid from the suburbs right so i was i guess kind of passively you know i would call myself a libertarian right kind of the free market <laughs> works the suburbs you know whatever yeah um so kind of the one-two punch, uh, Trump and Bernie in 2020. And I, I actually, and I remember this, I, I, saw, I saw a graph. There was a graph that got me. And it was uh, GDP per capita since 1970, right? So productivity per person. And it, it's like, imagine like an upturned hockey stick. It's exponentially growing, right? Mm-hmm. So the average person in America is producing so much more than they were a couple generations ago, right? But the median wage was flat. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so how, how can I explain, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, the kind of libertarian baby yeah, brain working yeah. itself out. Let me put, put on my fedora here and think about this. <laughs> um, and, and I couldn't, there was, there was just no way to square that number or the, those lines with the way that I was kind of taught to see the world. Mm. So that kind of set me on a, on a journey. And the first thing I ever went to was a, a George Floyd March. Mm. I went there and I, you know, I saw the hundreds of cops there. Just kind of like, why, why are these cops here? Literally, we're, we're walking down the street chanting, right? Like, we're not doing anything. And I, I saw how, how the system was, was so resistant to change. Because, I mean, clearly thousands and thousands and thousands of people came out in the heat during COVID, right? Right. To do this march and to let our, you know, the people that are supposed to be taking care of us, our elected government, know what we thought and it was just clearly at every at every junction they were they were erring on the side of doing nothing, and th- those things together that's when you know I, I looked for socialist organizations I found DSA and, and here I am. Yeah, wow. You know it's crazy. Um, you know it is very common for people to move across the political spectrum, right? Um, I started off as like a 
very baby liberal, probably a little more to the right, um, like a right wing liberal um, than more of center. And then like as I progressed in learning about the system and all of it and how we treat each other very carcerally, I moved further and further to the left. Um, and then, you know, I also read a lot of theory as well. Um, so what, Greg, what was your first go at volunteering with DSA? What did that look like for you? It, it was actually, uh, the, uh, campaign to get signatures for this in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. We got, I got thrown out of discovery green. That was a, a fun rite of passage. Oh, it's, I didn't it, know that. What? It's, it's a private park. Apparently, like it's a private. It is a private. Which part. I didn't know. It's yeah. like what? What? What the hell are you talking about? I can't be here. I'm. I'm, I'm handing out flyers. Like, oh no, you can't do that. And they, they. So we had to go on the sidewalk and kind of orbit around the park. Uh huh. Which, which was so. That, yeah, that was the first thing I ever, I ever did aside from voting and I guess the the march. Yeah, parks aren't public anymore. They're yeah. either private or private public partnerships. Um. Yeah. It's that everything is getting corporatized. Uh. But that's crazy. <laughs> that's. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a radicalizing moment. Like just trying to collect signatures for something and be like, you can't even be here. Yeah, yeah. Or, or organizing radicalizes you. I mean, uh, I, I've seen, I mean, myself included, a lot of people come into DSA or other organizations and, you know, it's, oh, we need to tax the rich. It's like, okay, sure, yeah. How are you going to do that? How are you going to make that happen? And just following that question, I think a lot of people guide themselves left. I mean, I certainly have. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys used any, um, like, do you guys, like, read or, like, I read a lot of, like, theory to help ground my work. What does grounding in your work look like for you? Hmm. That's a good, that's yeah. a question, huh? That's a good question. <laughs> um, so I, um, I'm not as, my understanding of theory isn't as advanced to some of my other comrades that's okay um, unfortunately story on that yeah but um for me like I am not currently religious but I was raised very religious so mm -hmm. I think that one thing that I sort of like keep coming back to and ground myself with is just the idea that we can live in cooperation with each other instead of in competition with with each other mm -hmm. and just like the, the really basic ideas that it is wrong to be greedy it is wrong to live your life motivated by greed and selfishness it is good to want to help the people around you to want to benefit society um to care for the most vulnerable people in your society um, which I mean, like caring for the most vulnerable people in your society, that's, you know, a very like biblical idea. Um, so I think those are the things, um, you know, very basic stuff and a little bit cheesy, but I keep, I think I try to like come back to those often. And those are the things that kind of like ground me. Yeah. Being in community. Mm -hmm. How about you? Uh, so the actual actual uh, leftist media would be it would be YouTube. I like I like the bread tubers, you know. Everybody <laughs> likes those. Um, I, I like numbers. I like to look at just to kind of remind myself because sometimes I think like 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 am I crazy? There's there's no way because most people you talk you talk to you say you're a socialist. They look at you. They they kind of have this look like side eye. Yeah, yeah, like they treat you like a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and um, you know, so I like to remind myself. I, I like numbers. So you know, okay, so what you know we have we have joe biden most progressive president ever right uh so like okay is homelessness down no did median wage go up no did union membership go up no so it's like okay it's not working so like i'm not crazy 
what's happening now isn't isn't moving us in the right direction. And the right direction is it's something that's so it's so subjective. Yeah. Well, Besides some that. some some of it some of it is is it's it's just general stuff. It's empathy. Mm. It's like, okay, should should somebody have way more than they could spend in a, a billion lifetimes and somebody else be dying on the street? Right. Like, does that make any sense? And it's something that's so simple and it's so amazing. Back, back to the propaganda that shoved down our throats that like good people, people that I know are empathetic, people that would give you the shirt off their back, they support this system. They've been tricked into it, much like I was in the past, right? Yeah, um, same Z's. And they're, they're not bad people. They're not evil people, but they've, they've been made to support evil things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like, like that's another way of like exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's like just uh, it's so like deeply ingrained in our brains that this is just how the world works. But the more you examine it, you're like, oh, this is this is bad <laughs> to like <laughs> not to, you know, think that it's OK for people to not have a home to live in or whatever the case might be. Like, oh, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah. So before we got on air, you know, we were chatting in the front room. Um, we were talking about, you know, we have our activism and we have like our corporate jobs, right? I have a corporate job. Journalism is my activism. And I've managed to figure out a way to balance my life to where I'm not burning myself out 24-7. What does organizing look like for you um, in a way that's sustainable, um, that could be an example for other people. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good, good Still question. navigating easier, that easier one. Easier said than done, yeah. And that's all right. <laughs> that's good. Um, I think the thing that I try to remember is to, to like, pick a thing um, to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many. There's so much. Yeah, there's, like, a million things, right, that need, there's a lot of work to do. Um, so I try to remind myself just like pick a thing to focus on. So, um, whatever cause is, you know, whether it's most important to you or whether you feel like that's the most strategically valuable, um, like just go with that because if you try and do all the things at one time, you're going to burn yourself out. It's not good. So that's why, like right now I'm, uh, you know, focusing a lot of my time towards like this prop a campaign for example and other stuff that comes up i'm <laughs> just kind of ignoring it for now like some blinders on yeah putting yeah. my blinders on exactly I get it. um because you have to you're just one person yeah yeah so, yeah yeah you have to set boundaries right i mean we we were born into a capitalist society and we have to live in it right so yeah i work a full-time job for you know what i would call an evil megacorp right and uh, you have to um so organizing the, the, the kind of straw man that I think is used to try to keep us complacent is like, oh, yeah, well, you drive on asphalt roads. Yeah, that comes from oil. Or, oh, yeah, you, you flew on a plane. That's bad. They, the idea that to, to really fight for change, you have to completely disassociate yourself from the world and fully dedicate yourself to it, right? And that's a straw man. That's not true. I mean, I work a job, I drive a car, right? And then I do this. Um, I mean, not, not to trivialize it, we, we were talking earlier, um, it, it kind of takes the slot of like a, like a serious hobby in my life, right? So, you know, I go to work, I see my friends and family, whatever, and instead of hiking or kayaking or whatever normal people do, um, organizing as a, in, a, in a socialist organization, right? 
So that, that's it. It's, it's not something that should be, you know, in, intimidating for anybody or they think like, oh, I don't know how or whatever. If, if you just, you just look, I mean, just look online for organizations, find one that matches your values and, and go to a meeting. I mean, that, that, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it can literally like as little or as much time as you're able to dedicate to it. And then like take a step back when it makes sense to like, I take a break every year. It's like a six to eight week break. This is only like my third report back. So like it, it <laughs> you, that's what you got to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys have uh, any further call to actions that you guys would like people to know any last words in general? for our wrap-up? Um, I will say that the deadline to register to vote is October 10th. Mm. So if you're not registered to vote, please make sure you do that. You can go to harrisvotes.com and get more information about how to do that. Um, obviously, vote for Prop A on November 7th and tell all your friends to vote yes on Prop A. And if you still want to do more, then um, come volunteer with us. Uh, we're a lot of fun. Uh, you can find more information about that at HoustonDSA.org slash vote yes on Prop A. Um, and you can sign up for uh, to volunteer or also you can go to our calendar, HoustonDSA.org slash calendar. Um, and we have canvases listed there. You can sign up for them and uh, come join us. Yeah, uh, I'll plug the socials real quick. Uh, DSA, Houston DSA is on Instagram, dsa.houston. We're on Twitter at Houston DSA. And yeah, houstondsa.org, you can uh, look at our calendar, see see the different events. And th- these events on the calendar are public. You don't have to, we're not going to be like asking you for a membership card or whatever. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, show up where I like to think we're very welcoming. I mean, socialists in my experience are the, the nicest people in the world. They're very, very, very accepting, very open, very very friendly and um yeah houston dsa i mean we do all kinds of stuff it's not it's not just electoralism uh we do strike support uh starbucks is the the big thing right now help them on the picket line stuff um uh, abolishing the police there's there's campaigns going around that mutual aid after the freeze we did a big a big supply drop so um i know that there are, you know from being around on the internet i know that there are a lot of a lot of socialists out there that are frustrated a lot of leftists and and don't know what to do. I mean, I, I was, I was just frustrated for years and years before I started volunteering. So, um, yeah, I mean, Houston DSA, I, I would say is a, a, a great place to, um, to begin, begin a journey if you're interested. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a great place to kind of get your feet wet and kind of get a sense of everything. There's a lot of working groups, um, like Greg was explaining. And like for me, cause like I was part of DSA for a little bit when I was doing my electoral work there at the beginning. Um, and it just really helps open up, uh, your view on like what the hell is going on <laughs> and then opens up different pathways on how to get involved and how, you know, cause like I say, said, everybody has a place in the movement, right? And, um, sometimes you just need to start on figuring out what that even looks like. And DSA is a good start for that mm-hmm. it it just it just is it just is y'all <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well if that's it i think we're gonna go ahead and play some music and wrap it up all right thank you so much thank for you joining so much me for having yeah us. thanks for having us oh brown one. Oh nope
Too close. 